Act One of Anna Christie by Eugene O'Neill. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Characters First Longshoreman, read by John Glover. Second Longshoreman, read by Marty Chris. Larry, a bartender, read by Matthew Reese. Johnny the Priest, a saloon owner. Read by Nolophidian. A Postman by Max Schörlinge. Chris Christofferson. Read by Lars Rolander. Marthy Owen. Read by Pat Redstone. Anna Christofferson. Read by Elizabeth Klett. Matt Burke. Read by Tyg Hines. Narrated by David Goldfarb. Scene. Johnny the Priest's Saloon, near South Street, New York City. The stage is divided into two sections, showing a small back room on the right. On the left, forward of the bar room, a large window looking out on the street. Beyond it, the main entrance, a double swinging door. Farther back, another window. The bar runs from left to right nearly the whole length of the rear wall. In back of the bar, a small showcase displaying a few bottles of case goods, for which there is evidently little call. The remainder of the rear space in front of the large mirrors is occupied by half-barrels of cheap whiskey of the Nicola Schott variety, from which the liquor is drawn by means of spigots. On the right is an open doorway leading to the back room. In the back room are four round wooden tables, with five chairs grouped about each. In the rear, a family entrance opening on a side street. It is late afternoon of a day in fall. As the curtain rises, Johnny is discovered. Johnny the priest deserves his nickname. With his pale, thin, clean-shaven face, mild blue eyes, and white hair, a cassock would seem more suited to him than the apron he wears. Neither his voice nor his general manner dispel this illusion, which has made him a personage of the waterfront. They are soft and bland. But beneath all his mildness, one senses the man behind the mask, Cynical, callous, hard as nails. He is lounging at ease behind the bar, a pair of spectacles on his nose, reading an evening paper. Two longshoremen enter from the street, wearing their working aprons, the button of the union pinned conspicuously on the caps pulled sideways on their heads at an aggressive angle, as they range themselves at the bar. Give me a shock. Number two. He tosses a coin on the bar. Same here. Johnny sets two glasses of barrel whiskey before them. Here's luck. The other nods. They gulp down their whiskey, putting money on the bar. Give us another. Give me a scoop this time. Lager and porter. I'm dry. Same here. Johnny draws the lager and porter and sets the big foaming schooners before them. They drink down half the contents and start to talk together hurriedly in low tones. The door on the left is swung open, and Larry enters. He is a boyish, red-cheeked, rather good-looking young fellow of twenty or so. Nodding to Johnny. Hello, boss. Hello, Larry. With a glance at his watch. Just on time. Larry goes to the right behind the bar, takes off his coat, and puts on an apron. Oh, let's drink up. Get back to it. They finish their drinks and go out left. The postman enters as they leave. He exchanges nods with Johnny and throws a letter on the bar. Address care you, Johnny. Know him? 
Johnny picks up the letter, adjusting his spectacles. Larry comes and peers over his shoulders. Johnny reads very slowly. Christopher Christofferson. Squarehead name. Old Chris. That's who. Oh, sure. I was forgetting Chris carried a hell of a name like that. Letters come for him sometimes before, I remember now. Long time ago, though. It'll get him all right, then. Sure thing. He comes here whenever he's in port. Sailor, eh? Captain of a gold barge. <laughs> Some job. Well, so long. So long. I'll see if he gets it. The postman goes out. Johnny scrutinizes the letter. You got good eyes, Larry. Where's it from? St. Paul. That'll be in Minnesota, I'm thinking. Looks like a woman's writing, too, the old devil. He's got a daughter somewheres out west, I think he told me once. He puts the letter on the cash register. Come to think of it, I ain't seen old Chris in a dog's age. Putting his overcoat on, he comes around the end of the bar. Guess I'll be getting home. See you tomorrow. Good night to you, boss. As Johnny goes toward the street door, it is pushed open, and Christopher Christofferson enters. He is a short, squat, broad-shouldered man of about fifty, with a round, weather-beaten red face from which his light blue eyes peer short-sightedly, twinkling with a simple good humor. His large mouth, overhung by a thick, drooping yellow mustache, is childishly self-willed and weak, of an obstinate kindliness. A thick neck is jammed like a post into the heavy trunk of his body. His arms, with their big, hairy, freckled hands, and his stumpy legs, terminating in large, flat feet, are awkwardly short and muscular. He walks with a clumsy, rolling gait. His voice, when not raised in a hollow boom, is toned down to a sly, confidential half-whisper, with something vaguely plaintive in its quality. He is dressed in a wrinkled, ill-fitting dark suit of shore clothes, and wears a faded cap of grey cloth over his mop of grizzled blond hair. Just now his face beams with a too blissful happiness, and he has evidently been drinking. He reaches his hand out to Johnny. Hello, Johnny. Have drink on me. Come on, Larry. Give us drink. Have one yourself. Putting his hand in his pocket. I got money. Plenty money. Johnny shakes Chris by the hand. Speak of the devil. We was just talking about you. Larry, coming to the end of the bar. Hello, Chris. Put it there. They shake hands. Give us drink. You got half a snoot full now. Where'd you get it? Other feller on other barge, Irish feller. He got bottle whiskey and we drunk it, just us two. Dot whiskey got kicked by Ingo. Ah, just come ashore. Give us drink, Larry. I was little drunk, not much. Just feel good. <laughs> My Josephine, come board ship. Long time I wait for you. The moon she shines. She looks just like you. <laughs> to the accompaniment of this last, he waves his hand as if he were conducting an orchestra. <laughs> Same old Josie, eh, Chris? You don't know good song when you hear him. Italian feller on other boards, he lure me adat. Give us drink. He throws change on the bar. What's your pleasure, gentlemen? Small beer, Larry. Whiskey number two. Larry as he gets their drinks. I'll take a cigar on you. Chris, lifting his glass. Skull. He drinks. Drink hearty. Have other drink. No, some other time. Got to go home now. 
So you've just landed? Where are you in from this time? Norfolk, we make slow voyage, dirty weather. Just fog, 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 all bloody time. There is an insistent ring from the doorbell at the family entrance in the back room. Chris gives a start. I go open, Larry. I forgot. It was Marty. She come with me. He goes into the back room. <laughs> He's still got that same cow living with him, the old fool. The sport, Chris is. Well, I'll beat it home. So long. He goes to the street door. So long, boss. Oh, don't forget to give him his letter. I won't. Johnny goes out. In the meantime, Chris has opened the family entrance door, admitting Marthy. She might be forty or fifty. Her jowly, mottled face with its thick red nose is streaked with interlacing purple veins. Her thick gray hair is piled anyhow in a greasy mop on top of her round head. Her figure is flabby and fat. Her breath comes in wheezy gasps. She speaks in a loud, mannish voice, punctuated by explosions of hoarse laughter. But there still twinkles in her bloodshot blue eyes a youthful lust for life which hard usage has failed to stifle, a sense of humor mocking but good-tempered. She wears a man's cap, double-breasted man's jacket, and a grimy calico skirt. Her bare feet are encased in a man's brogans, several sizes too large for her, which gives her a shuffling, wobbly gait. What you trying to do, Dutchy? Keep me standing out there all day? She comes forward and sits at the table in the right corner front. I'm sorry, Marty. I talked to Johnny. I forgot. What you going take for drink? Give me a scoop of lager and ale. I go bring him back. He returns to the bar. Lager and ale for Marty, Larry. Whiskey for me. He throws change on the bar. Right you are. Then, remembering, he takes the letter from in back of the bar. Here's a letter for you, from St. Paul, Minnesota. And a lady's writing. He grins. Chris, quickly, taking it. Oh, then it come from my daughter Anna. She lived there. He turns the letter over in his hands uncertainly. I don't got letter from Anna. Must be a year. That's a fine fairy tale to be telling, your daughter. Sure, I'll bet it's some bum. No, this come from Anna. Engrossed by the letter in his hand, uncertainly. By golly, I tank I'm too drunk for read this letter from Anna. I tank I sat down for a minute. You bring drinks in back room, Larry. He goes into the room on right. Where's my lager and ale, you big stiff? Larry, bring him. He sits down opposite her. Larry brings in the drinks and sets them on the table. He and Marthy exchange nods of recognition. Larry stands looking at Chris curiously. Marthy takes a long draught of her schooner and heaves a huge sigh of satisfaction, wiping her mouth with the back of her hand. Chris stares at the letter for a moment, slowly opens it, and, squinting his eyes, commences to read laboriously, his lips moving as he spells out the words. As he reads, his face lights up with an expression of mingled joy and bewilderment. Good news? What's that you got? A letter? For God's sake! Pauses for a moment, after finishing the letter, as if to let the news sink in, then suddenly pounds his fist on the table with happy excitement. Pai Jiminy, just tank. Anna says she's coming here right away. 
she got sick on job in st paul she say it's short letter don't tell me much more'n that py golly dat's good news all at one time for old fallar you know marty i've told you i don't see my anna since she was little girl in sweden five year old how old does she be now she must be let me see she must be twenty year old pi o you've not seen her in fifteen years no when she was little gal i was bosun on windjammer i never got home only few time dem year i'm fool sailor fallar my woman anna's mother she got tired wait all time sweden for me when i don't never come she come this country bring anna they go out minnesota live with her cousins on farm then when her mother die when i was on voyage i tank it's better dem cousins keep anna i tank it's better anna live on farm then she don't know dat old devil see she don't know father like me larry with a wink at marthy this girl now be marrying a sailor herself likely it's in the blood chris suddenly springing to his feet and smashing his fist on the table in a rage no by god she don't do that marthy grasping her schooner hastily hey look out your nut want to spill my suds for me oh ho what's up with you ain't you a sailor yourself now and always been that's just why i say it sailor was all right feller but not for merry girl no i know dat anna's mother she know it too when is your daughter coming soon by jiminy i forgot reads through the letter hurriedly she says she come right away that's all she'll maybe be coming here to look for you i suppose he returns to the bar whistling left alone with marthy who stares at him with a twinkle of malicious humour in her eyes chris suddenly becomes desperately ill at ease he fidgets then gets up hurriedly i got speak with larry i be right back i bring you other drink marthy emptying her glass sure that's me <laughs> as he retreats with the glass she guffaws after him derisively by jingo i got got marty shore of barge before anna come anna rise hell if she find that out marty rise hell too for go by golly <laughs> serve you right you old devil having a woman at your age you tell me lie for tal marty larry so she got off barge quick she knows your daughter's coming tell her to get the hell out of it no i don't like make her feel bad you're an old mush keep your girl away from the barge then she'll likely want to stay ashore anyway what does she work at your anna she stay on dem cousins farm till two year ago then she got job nurse girl in st paul but i don't want her got job now i want for her stay with me on a coal barge she'll not like that i'm thinking don't i get that bucket of suds dutchy yes i come marty <laughs> now you're in for it you'd better tell her straight to get out chris shaking in his boots by golly he takes her drink into marthy and sits down at the table she sips it in silence 
Larry moves quietly close to the partition to listen, grinning with expectation. Chris seems on the verge of speaking, hesitates, gulps down his whiskey desperately as if seeking for courage. <coughs> Marthy stares at him keenly, taking in his embarrassment with a malicious twinkle of amusement in her eye. Uh, Marty? What's that? Then, pretending to fly into a rage, her eyes enjoying Chris's misery. I'm wise to what's in back of your nut, Dutchy. You want to get rid of me, oh, now she's coming. Give me the booms rush ashore, huh? Let me tell you, Dutchy, there ain't a square head working on a boatman enough to get away with that. Don't start nothing you can't finish. I don't start nothing, Marty. Oh, you're a scream, a square head, an honest her god knockout. <laughs> I don't see nothing for laugh at. Take a slant in the mirror and you'll see. <laughs> a square head, trying to kid Marthy Owen at this late day. After me camping with bargemen the last twenty years, I'm wise to the game, up and down and sideways. I ain't been born and dragged up on the waterfront for nothing. Think I'd make trouble, huh? Not me. I'll pick up me duds and beat it. I'm quitting you, get me? I'm telling you I'm sick of sticking with you, and I'm leaving you flat, see? There's plenty of other guys on other barges waiting for me. Always was, I always found. She claps the astonished Chris on the back. So cheer up, Dutchy. I'll be off in the barge before she comes. You'll be rid of me for good and me of you. Good riddance for both of us. <laughs> I don't thank that. You was good girl, Morty. Good girl. Oh, can the bull. Well, you treated me square yourself, so it's fifty-fifty. Nobody saw it and nobody. We're still good friends, huh? Larry returns to the bar. Chris, beaming, now that he sees his troubles disappearing. Yes, by golly. That's the talking. In all my time, I tried never to split with a guy with no hard feelings. But what was you so scared about? That I'd kick up a row? That ain't Marthy's way. Think I'd break my heart to lose you? Commit suicide, huh? Oh, God, the world's full of men, if that's all I'd worry about. Then, with a grin, after emptying her glass. Blow me to another scoop, huh? I'll drink to your kid's health for you. Sure, tongue. I go got him. He takes the two glasses into the bar. Other drink, same for both. Larry, getting the drinks and putting them on the bar. She's not such a bad lot, that one. She's good, gal. I tell you, by golly, I'd celebrate now. Give me whiskey here at bar too. He puts down money. Larry serves him. You have drink, Larry. You know I never touch it. You don't know what you miss, school? Mm, ta -da -da, my Josephine, come o'er the ship. He picks up the drinks for Marthy and himself, and walks unsteadily into the back room, singing. The moon she shines, she looks just like you. Chee 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 chee. Marthy, grinning, hands to ears. God! 
I'm good singer, yes. We drink, eh? School? I celebrate. <sighs> I celebrate cause Anna's coming home, you know, Marty. I never write for her to come, cause I think I'm no good for her. But all time I hope, like hell, some day she won't foresee me, and then she come. And that's why it happened now, by Jiminy. What you think she look like, Marty? I bet you she's fine, good, strong girl, pooty like hell. Living on farm made her like that. And I bet you some day she marry good steady landfeller here in East. Have home all her own, have kids, and then I'm old grandfather, by golly. And I go visit them every time I got in port near. <laughs> oh, by Jiminy Crickens, I celebrate that. Bring other drink, Larry. He smashes his fist on the table with a bang. Larry. Coming in from bar. Easy there. Don't be breaking the table, you old goat. My Josephine comes board the ship. You're soused to the ears, Dutchy. Go out and put a feed into you. It'll sober you up. Then, as Chris shakes his head obstinately, Listen, you old nut. You don't know what time your kid's liable to show up. You want to be sober when she comes, don't you? Chris, aroused, gets unsteadily to his feet. By golly, yes. That's good sense for you. A good beef stew will fix you. Go round the corner. All right. I'll be back soon, Marty. Chris goes through the bar and out the street door. He'll come round all right with some grub in him. Sure. Larry goes back to the bar and resumes his newspaper. Marthy sips what is left of her schooner reflectively. There is the ring of the family entrance bell. Larry comes to the door and opens it a trifle. Then, with a puzzled expression, pulls it wide. Anna Christofferson enters. She is a tall, blonde, fully developed girl of twenty, handsome after a large Viking daughter fashion, but now run down in health and plainly showing all the outward evidences of belonging to the world's oldest profession. Her youthful face is already hard and cynical beneath its layer of makeup. Her clothes are the tawdry finery of peasant stock turned prostitute. She comes and sinks wearily in a chair by the table, left front. Give me a whiskey. Ginger ale on the side. Then, as Larry turns to go, forcing a winning smile at him. And don't be stingy, baby. Shall I serve it in a pail? <laughs> that suits me down to the ground. Larry goes into the bar. The two women size each other up with frank stares. Larry comes back with the drink which he sets before Anna and returns to the bar again. Anna downs her drink at a gulp. Then, after a moment, as the alcohol begins to rouse her, she turns to Marthy with a friendly smile. Ah, <sighs> gee, I needed that bad. All right, all right. Marthy, nodding her head sympathetically. Sure, you look all in. Been on a bat? No, traveling. Day and a half on the train. Had to sit up all night in the dirty coach, too. God, I thought I'd never get here. Marthy, with a start, looking at her intently. Where'd you come from, huh? St. Paul, out in Minnesota. So, you're... <laughs> oh, God! All the way from Minnesota, sure. 
What you laughing at? Me? No, honest kid. I, I was thinking of something else. Well, I wouldn't blame you at that. Guess I do look rotten. You'll start at the hospital two weeks. I'm gonna have another ski. What do you say? Have something on me. Sure I will. Thanks. Hey, Larry! Little service! He comes in. Same for me. Same here. Larry takes their glasses and goes out. Why don't you come sit over here? Be sociable. I'm a dead stranger in this burg, and I ain't spoke a word with no one since day before yesterday. Sure thing. She shuffles over to Anna's table and sits down opposite her. Larry brings the drinks, and Anna pays him. Skull, here's how. She drinks. Here's luck. She takes a gulp from her schooner. Anna, taking a package of sweet caporal cigarettes from her bag. Let you smoke in here, won't they? Sure. Only throw it away if you hear someone coming. Anna, lighting one and taking a deep inhale. <sighs> Gee, they're fussy in this dump, ain't they? She puffs, staring at the tabletop. Marthy looks her over with a new, penetrating interest, taking in every detail of her face. Anna suddenly becomes conscious of this appraising stare. Ain't nothing wrong with me, is there? You're looking hard enough. Ain't got to look much. I got your number the minute you stepped in the door. Ain't you smart? Well, I got yours, too, without no trouble. You're me, forty years from now. That's you. Is that so? Well, I'll tell you straight, kiddo, that Marthy Owen never— She catches herself up short with a grin. What are you and me scrapping over? Let's cut it out, huh? Me? I don't want no hard feelings with no one. Shake and forget it, huh? Anna shakes her hand gladly. Only too glad to. I ain't looking for trouble. Let's have another. What do you say? Not for mine. I'm all full up. And you? Had anything to eat lately? Not since this morning on the train. Then you better go easy on it, hadn't you? Guess you're right. I gotta meet someone, too. But my nerves is on edge after that rotten trip. You said you was just out of the hospital? Two weeks ago. Leaning over to Marthy confidentially. The joint I was in out in St. Paul got raided. That was the start. The judge give us girls thirty days. The others didn't seem to mind being in the cooler much. Some of them was used to it. But me, I couldn't stand it. Got my goat right. Couldn't eat or sleep or nothing. I never could stand being caged up nowheres. I got good and sick and they had to send me to the hospital. It was nice there. I was sorry to leave it, honest. Did you say you got to meet someone here? Yes. Oh, not what you mean. It's my old man I got to meet. Honest. It's funny, too. I ain't seen him since I was a kid. Don't even know what he looks like. Just had a letter every now and then. This was always the only address he give me to write him back. He's janitor of some building here now. Used to be a sailor. Janitor? Sure. And I was thinking, maybe, seeing he ain't never done a thing for me in my life, he might be willing to stake me to a room and eat till I get rested up. <sighs> Gee, I sure need that rest. I'm knocked out. But I ain't expecting much from him. Give you a kick when you're down, that's what all men do. Men. I hate em. All of em. And I don't expect he'll turn out no better than the rest. 
Say, do you hang out round this dump much? Oh, off and on. Then maybe you know him? My old man? Or at least seen him? It ain't old Chris, is it? Old Chris? Chris Christofferson, his full name is. Yes, that's him. Anna Christofferson, that's my real name, only out there I called myself Anna Christie. So you know him, eh? Seen him about for years. Say, what's he like? Tell me, honest. Oh, he's short and... I don't care what he looks like. What kind is he? Well, you can bet your life, kid. He's as good an old guy as ever walked on two feet. That goes. I'm pleased to hear it. Then you think he'll stake me to that rest cure I'm after? Surest thing you know. But where'd you get the idea he was a janitor? He wrote me he was himself. Well, he was lying. He ain't. He's captain of a barge. Five men under him. Barge? What kind of a barge? Coal, mostly. A coal barge? <laughs> oh, if that ain't a swell job to find your long-lost old man working at. Gee, I knew something be bound to turn out wrong. Always does with me. That puts my idea of his giving me a rest on the bum. What do you mean? I suppose he lives on the boat, don't he? Sure, what about it? Can't you live on it, too? Me? On a dirty coal barge? What do you think I am? What do you know about barges, huh? Bet you ain't never seen one. That's what comes of his bringing you up inland, away from the old devil's sea where you'll be safe. God! <laughs> his bringing me up? Is that what he tells people? I like his nerve. He let them cousins of my old woman's keep me on their farm and work me to death like a dog. Well, he's got queer notions on some things. I've heard him say a farm was the best place for a kid. Oh, sure. That's what he'd always answer back. And a lot of crazy stuff about staying away from the sea. Stuff I couldn't make head or tail to. I thought he must be nutty. He is on that one point. So you didn't fall for life on the farm, huh? I should say not. The old man of the family, his wife and four sons, I had to slave for all of them. I was only a poor relation, and they treated me worse than they dare treat a hired girl. It was one of the sons, the youngest, started me when I was sixteen. After that I hated him so I'd killed him all if I'd stayed. So I run away to St. Paul. I've heard old Chris talk about you being a nurse girl out there. Was that all a bluff you put up when you wrote him? Not on your life it wasn't. It was true for two years. I didn't go wrong all at one jump. Being a nurse girl was just what finished me. Taking care of other people's kids, always listening to their bawling and crying, caged in, when you're only a kid yourself and want to go out and see things. At last I got the chance to get into that house, and you bet your life I took it. And I ain't sorry neither. It was all men's fault, the whole business. It was men on the farm ordering and beating me and giving me the wrong start. Then when I was a nurse it was men again hanging around bothering me trying to see what they could get. <laughs> and now it's men all the time. God, I hate them all. Every mother's son of them. Don't you? Oh, I don't know. There's good ones and bad ones, kid. You just had a run of bad luck with them, that's all. Your old man now, old Chris. 
He's a good one. He'll have to show me. You kept right on writing him you was a nurse girl still, even after you was in the house, didn't you? Sure. Not that I think he'd care a darn. You're all wrong about him, kid. I know old Chris well for a long time. He's talked to me about you lots of times. He thinks the world of you. Honest, he does. Oh, quit the kidding. Honest? Only he's a simple old guy, see? He's got nutty notions, but he means well. Honest. Listen to me, kid. She is interrupted by the opening and shutting of the street door in the bar, and by hearing Chris's voice. Shh! What's up? Chris, who has entered the bar. He seems considerably sobered up. By golly, Larry, that grub tastes good. Martin back? Sure, and another tramp with her. Chris starts for the entrance to the back room. That's him now. He's coming in here. Brace up. Who? Chris opens the door. Why, hello, old Chris. Then, before he can speak, she shuffles hurriedly past him into the bar, beckoning him to follow her. Come here, I want to tell you something. He goes out to her. She speaks hurriedly in a low voice. Listen, I'm going to beat it down to the barge, pack up me duds and blow. That's her in there. Your Anna. Just come waiting for you. Treat her right, see. She's been sick. Well, so long. She goes into the back room to Anna. So long, kid. I gotta beat it now. See you later. So long. Marthy goes quickly out of the family entrance. Well, what's up now? Nothing, nothing. He stands before the door to the back room in an agony of embarrassed emotion. Then he forces himself to a bold decision, pushes open the door and walks in. He stands there, casts a shy glance at Anna, whose brilliant clothes and, to him, high-toned appearance awe him terribly. He looks about him with pitiful nervousness, as if to avoid the appraising look with which she takes in his face, his clothes, etc., his voice seeming to plead for her forbearance. Anna! Hello, father. She told me it was you. I just got here a little while ago. Chris goes slowly over to her chair. It's good for see you after all them years, Anna. He bends down over her. After an embarrassed struggle, they manage to kiss each other. It's good to see you, too. Chris grasps her arms and looks into her face, then, overcome by a wave of fierce tenderness, Anna Lilla, Anna Lilla, takes her in his arms. Anna shrinks away from him, half frightened. What's that? Swedish? I don't know it. Then, as if seeking relief from the tension in a voluble chatter, Gee, I had an awful trip coming here. I'm all in. I had to sit up in the dirty coach all night. Couldn't get no sleep hardly. And then I had a hard job finding this place. i never been in New York before, you know, and— Chris, who has been staring down at her face admiringly, not hearing what she says, impulsively. You know you was awful potty girl, Anna. I bet all men see you fall in love with you, Piemini. Cut it. You talk same as they all do. Ain't no harm for your father talk that way, Anna. <sighs> no, of course not. Only, it's funny to see you and not remember nothing. You're like a stranger. 
I s'pose I never come home only a few times when you was kit in Sweden. You don't remember that? No. But why didn't you never come home them days? Why didn't you never come out west to see me? I tank after your mother die when I was away on voyage. It's better for you you don't never see me. He sinks down in the chair opposite her dejectedly, then turns to her sadly. I don't know, Anna, why I never come home Sweden in all year. I won't come home and of every voyage. I won't see your mother, your two brother before they was drowned. You when you was born, but I don't go. I sign on other ships, go South America, go Australia, go China, go every port all over world many times, but I never go aboard ship sail for Sweden. When I got money for pay passage home as passenger then, I forgot and I spend all money. When I tank again it's too late. I don't know why, but that's way with most sailor feller, Anna. That old devil see make them crazy fools with her dirty tricks. It's so. Then you think the sea's to blame for everything, eh? Well, you're still working on it, ain't you? Spite of all you used to write me about hating it. That dame was here told me you was captain of a coal barge. And you wrote me you was janitor of a building. No, I work on land long time as janitor. Just short time ago, I got this job cause I was sick, need open air. Sick? You? You'd never think it. And Anna, this ain't real sailor job. This ain't real boat on sea. She's just old tub, like piece of land with house on it that float. Job on her ain't sea job. No, I don't get job on sea, and if I die first, I swear that when your mother die, I keep my word by jingo. Well, I can't see no difference. Speaking of being sick, I've been there myself. You started the hospital two weeks ago. You, Anna, by golly. You feel better now, though, don't you? You look little tired, that's all. I am. Tired to death. I need a long rest, and I don't see much chance of getting it. What do you mean, Anna? Well, when I made up my mind to come see you, I thought you was a janitor, that you'd have a place where maybe if you didn't mind having me, I could visit a while and rest up, till I felt able to get back on the job again. But I got place, Anna, nice place. You rest all you want by Jiminy. You don't never have to work as nurse girl no more. You stay with me, by golly. Then... You're really glad to see me? Honest? Chris, pressing one of her hands in both of his. Anna, I like see you like hell, I tell you. And don't you talk no more about getting job. You stay with me. I don't see you for a long time. You don't forget that. I'm getting old. I got no one in world but you. Thanks. It sounds good to hear someone talk to me that way. Say, though, if you're so lonely, it's... it's funny. Why ain't you never married again? I love your mother too much for ever do that, Anna. I don't remember nothing about her. What was she like? Tell me. 
I tell you all about every tongue, and you tell me all tongues happen to you. But not here now. This ain't good place for young gal anyway. Only no good sailor feller come here for got drunk. He gets to his feet quickly and picks up her bag. You come with me, Anna. You need lie down, get dressed. Anna half rises to her feet, then sits down again. Where are you going? Come, we get on board. On board your barge, you mean? Nix for mine. Then, seeing his crestfallen look, forcing a smile. Do you think that's a good place for a young girl like me? A coal barge? Yes, I tank. You don't know how nice it's on barge, Anna. Tug come and we got out out on voyage. Just water all round and sun and fresh air. And good grub for make you strong, healthy gal. You see, many tongues you don't see before. You get moonlight at night, maybe. See steamer pass, see schooner make sail. See every tongue that's putty. You need take rest like that. You work too hard for young gal already. You need vacation, yes. <laughs> Sounds good to hear you tell it. I'd sure like a trip on the water, all right. It's the barge idea has me stopped. Well, I'll go down with you and have a look. And maybe I'll take a chance. Gee, I'd do anything once. Chris picks up her bag again. You go, eh? What's the rush? Wait a second. Forgetting the situation for a moment, she relapses into the familiar form and flashes one of her winning trade smiles at him. Gee, I'm thirsty. Chris sets down her bag immediately. I'm sorry, Anna. What you tank you like for drink, eh? I'll take a... Uh, I don't know. What do they got here? I don't think they got much fancy drink for young girl in this place, Anna. Ginger ale, sarsaparilla, maybe. <laughs> Make it sass, then. I tell you, Anna, we celebrate, yes, this one time because we meet after many year. They got good port wine, Anna. It's good for you, I thank, little bit, for give you appetite. It ain't strong, neither. One glass don't go to your head, I promise. <laughs> All right, I'll take port. I go get him. He goes out to the bar. As soon as the door closes, Anna starts to her feet, picking up her bag. Oh, God, I can't stand this. I better beat it. Then she lets her bag drop, stumbles over to her chair again, and, covering her face with her hands, begins to sob. <laughs> Larry, putting down his paper as Chris comes up, with a grin. Well, who's the blonde? That was Anna, Larry. Your daughter, Anna? Chris nods. Don't you think she was putty girl, Larry? Larry, rising to the occasion. Sure, a peach. You bet you. Give me drink for tight back. One port wine for Anna. She celebrate this one time with me. And small beer for me. Larry, as he gets the drinks. Small beer for you, eh? She's reforming you already. You bet. He takes the drinks. As she hears him coming, Anna hastily dries her eyes, tries to smile. Chris comes in and sets the drinks down on the table, 
stares at her for a second anxiously, patting her hand. You look tired, Anna. Well, I make you take good long rest now. Picking up his beer. Come, you drink wine. It's put new life in you. She lifts her glass. He grins. Skål, Anna. You know that Swedish word? Skål. Downing her port at a gulp like a drink of whiskey, her lips trembling. Skål? Guess I know that word. All right, all right. The curtain falls. End of Act One.